Well, welcome everybody to episode 54 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And this week, it was a little light on news, but um, at least in the car world. Uh, but we wanted to touch on uh, a couple uh, potentially big uh, topics, uh, one in Formula One, and then one with a, a new truck announcement, which normally I would not be excited about a new truck announcement, but <laughs> I was it's talking your, about it. Like you said. Yeah, it's yeah. inner Oklahoma. Yeah, the inner Oklahoma in me is coming out. <laughs> um, but starting in the world of F1, so, you know, obviously we've had the the insane events uh, in Ukraine this week um, mm-hmm. with Russia invading Ukraine and, and kind of the geopolitical fallout of that mm-hmm. so far. And um, that that fallout extends even to the world of F1. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the political and military aspects of it because that's way beyond my scope of, of yeah. understanding. But um, in Formula One, uh, you know, there's a very notable Russian influence in the Haas F1 team. So their kind of primary sponsor, uh, Ural Kali, is a Russian petrochemical and fertilizer company. And the owner of that company is Dmitry Mazepin, the father of Nikita Mazepin, who's obviously one of the Haas F1 drivers. And that's pretty much the only reason Nikita has that seat. Yeah. Um, and so the question was put to Gunther Steiner, the team principal at Haas this week, that, you know, what are you going to, how is this going to affect Haas? And obviously there's, governments at play international sanctions um, that are not only extending to Russia's government, but also, you know, prominent Russian oligarchs and businessmen, uh, mm-hmm. one of whom is Dmitry Mazepin. Um, interestingly, I saw a note uh, in, in one article that I read that prior to the invasion, Putin had 23 of the biggest influential businessmen in Russia come meet him at um, the Kremlin and Dmitry was among that 23. Um, Probably so kind of giving him heads up maybe. I think, I think he was giving him a heads up and saying, hey, you know, if you've got your money overseas or you've got your money somewhere where it could be seized or assets that can be seized, like do what you need to do to, to shift mm-hmm. and protect it because I'm going to be doing this. Um, Interesting. That's my guess. But um, yeah, yeah. So the Haas F1 team basically reacted to this by taking the red, white, and blue livery off their cars and doing an all-white livery for the last of the testing sessions in Barcelona. Uh, they also removed all the Ural Kali uh, kind of advertising and, and lettering and promotion off of mm-hmm. their team trailers and, and offices and all that sort of stuff. And Gunther said next week, there's a lot of legal stuff that they're going to have to work through. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. But a lot of the implication is that they may try and kind of get out of their uh, sponsorship commitment with Joel Colley and even potentially ditch. I mean, I think if they get out of it, if they get rid of Joel Colley as a sponsor, I think Nikita's gone as well because there's no reason to keep him. Pretty um, much, yeah. I mean, he was the worst driver in F1 last year, and it wasn't really close. Uh, yeah. And there's plenty of good FP2 drivers uh, mm-hmm. or GP2 drivers that can 
have have a shot at that seat. Uh, so you know, it's really interesting. Like, do you think do you that Hassel? Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a question, right? I mean, like, had it really seemed like Gene Haas was kind of on the edge with a lot of this stuff, anyways? You know, when somebody crashed mm-hmm. a car, it's like, oh my god, how many millions of dollars did I just <laughs> spend? You know, and he's not right. probably like you know a Bill Gates trillions of dollars just to throw up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, it's interesting. I thought your old was a huge chunk of their, um, okay. Their budget, but, but they're not supposedly they're only 20%, which is not, okay. not small, but it is a minority. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess from that standpoint, maybe this is an opportunity for them in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, Having Schumacher, you know, seems like there's some talent there, you know, yeah. that, that he could grow and he could surprise kind of people and and mm-hmm. get better and better and better every year. Like that seems theoretically possible. So that's a good right. anchor. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you're you're using 20 percent of your budget and you're paying for it kind of with a seat. Yeah, from somebody who probably, arguably, really sh- maybe shouldn't even be there, right? Um, and so, like, that's so maybe this is an opportunity to bring on board a new sponsor, and like mm-hmm. you just said, bring somebody up who's actually proven their metal, who's a right. talented driver, um, you know, and maybe there's a because I I do think a lot of times with this competitive teamsmanship, it does push both of them to you know kind of outperform mm-hmm. each other. And right. that just really wasn't necessarily Mick probably didn't feel super, you know, pressured um mm-hmm. by Nikita <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah over yeah. the year. He wasn't like being pushed you know? to get better. Yeah. It, so maybe it is a good opportunity. I, yeah. I just didn't really think that it just sounded like to me, in my mind, a a strange marriage. Yeah, you know, it really is. This Dimitri guy, his son, like it just mm-hmm. seemed a little bit ugly. And so yeah. maybe here's an opportunity to kind of reboot things. Yeah, it's. It, I I think you're right. It's it's going to be interesting. So I think there's a few ways it plays out. One is that they stay with Eurocali. I think that's the most unlikely outcome. Yeah, especially um, with the sanctions. I mean, I don't know sanctions. how that's going to work, but it might not even be really an option for them. You know, yeah. it might be like out of their hands, even if they wanted to. I don't know. Well, and s- they might wait and see what happens because. You know, the Ukrainian leadership has agreed to meet with Putin at the Belarusian border to have talks of some kind. Um, yeah. But even then, I don't see any way Russia gets out of that, out of this whole thing without significant sanctions against them so that they're not, yeah. they don't just do this again in two years. Um, Pretty much. I mean, I think like, you know, geopolitically, you look at this is, this has happened, um, you know, kind of a slow creep, a slow build up to this point. And so mm-hmm. the the reality is, like you just said, I think you're you're seeing some tech kind of some tectonic shifts going on in Europe in terms of mm-hmm. you know military spending, where energy is purchased from, how that energy is obtained. Yeah, and I think this time it's probably going to stick. Yeah, um, I think it. I think they realize like. You know, yeah. you can have strange bedfellows, but like, yeah. this this one is unstable. Start, um, yeah, when they start blowing stuff up, you yeah. know, it kind of 
It just makes things, you know, it's not good for humans. It's not good for people's it's lives. Not for it's not good for business. It's not good for Yeah, business. ultimately, it's not good for business, <laughs> which is going to be the thing that pisses people off the most, unfortunately. <laughs> probably. Yeah, um, I know, right? <laughs> but so I think Eurocali is probably out. Um, they could try and get more money. Uh, they could try and get, you know, that 20% of their operating revenue made up for by multiple new smaller sponsors and kind of leverage Schumacher name. Uh, a that's bit. true. Yeah. Maybe with some, you know, German sponsors. Yeah, exactly. And then the other option would be Gene Haas himself stepping in to kind of fill the, the spending gap. I think that's probably pretty unlikely though, because he's, you know, he's basically shown in the last three, four years that he's not interested in spending any more money on the team than he has yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, they basically he, said they, they were going to put things on hold right. while they developed this new car. So my, well, my guess is, like, this is the year to either prove right. it or just get out. Well, and even predating that, disaster. even predating that, you know, there was the whole Rich Energy Saga sponsorship deal um, where... They kind yeah. of got in bed with this really questionable energy drink supplier. The next so that, Red Bull. So that he didn't have to spend any more money on it. And then they go from that to Ural Kali. And and so, you know, I I think Gene has shown he doesn't want to spend any more money. And which, I think you're right. If which, if they don't have anything remotely resembling a competitive season this year, like yeah. there's there's rumors that Mario Andretti is wanting to get into F1 with a team of his own. Uh, oh, but he also could buy Haas's spot, mm -hmm. you know, and, and take over the team and kind of insert all his own stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately Mazepin's gone. He's He's been, you can be a bit of a troublemaker outside of the cockpit if you're an ace inside of it, but he's just not worth the trouble remotely. Yeah. He's, um, he's not worth your, you know, HR nightmare issues. Exactly. So I think he's gone. Your Kali is gone. And then my Frankly, guess is, I, I'm not going to miss that guy. I mean, I'll miss no. the memes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Maza spins, but um, yeah, uh, I'd rather see somebody who's, you know, I mean, that's kind of like what, what, you know, you and I have done is, worked our way to where we're at in life and it's mm -hmm. we have a lot of respect for people that you know work hard and hopefully good things come and to earn their spot to like yeah here's my dad well, the a other couple billion the other consideration too and i haven't i don't know enough about the gp2 drivers is if there's a solid gp2 driver that also has significant financial backing they could pick True. him up I, you know that's what i thought i don't know who that is either but I'm sure they exist. I mean, they always exist. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know the Lewis Hamiltons that are coming from nothing are are kind of the more yeah. uncommon thing in F1. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, most of these F1 drivers have yes. pretty solid financial backing. Whether it's Checo Perez with a lot of the Mexican companies, or mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, or Nicholas Latifi with his his with Safina, his dad's company. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So. I think that's probably going to be the more, and I'm not saying Latifi and Checo Perez don't deserve their seats. Like they're no, I don't. I'm not either, drivers, yeah. but um, yeah. you know, I think there's going to be guys in a, in GP2 that have some money they could bring to the table mm -hmm. ultimately. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think, you know, all signs point to over the next week, 
uh, a lot of these issues kind of being resolved. The other thing I didn't even mention is that the um, the Russian GP is canceled. Uh, yeah, my my guess is there's going to be a lot of cancellations of many things. Yeah. Um, well, there was which, another. You no, know, it's kind of a cool circuit they have, so it is too bad. Um, but yeah, yeah, understandable. It was supposed to be in September, but they, the FIA decided to cancel it, which I think is the right move. Um, they're yeah. not the only ones, as, as you kind of alluded to, the UEFA Champions League, which is basically like, um, it's like a, it's like the European Championship, but for club soccer instead of national soccer teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Huge deal, huge deal. Uh, it the final is supposed to be in Russia this year, and they're they they're changing the venue to be outside Good of Russia deal. now. So Good deal, yeah. I mean, there there are going to be a lot of repercussions. Some of which we're starting to see, and many others I think we're going to see over the coming weeks. To mm-hmm. uh, you know, what seems to be a pretty crazy move by by Putin. Yeah. So um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Hopefully we can mostly keep the fallout contained economically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But you know, yeah, you also wonder like just how integrated the world is. I mean, mm-hmm. from the perspective of, um, you know, the, the order and the way the world operates today is like you kind of alluded to, um, you know, for the most part, some of us, you know, countries see differently. Um, we don't see eye to eye on stuff, but mm-hmm. for better or for worse, um, the way it's kind of operated has been good for business for right. just about just about everybody. everybody. And so, you know, I think that's why it was so here, shocking to see, mm-hmm. you know, a, a war like this break out. Is is we're all yeah. so interconnected at this point? That yeah, not even kind of like supply surprised. chains. I mean, TikTok. Twitter, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a lot more in your face and like kind of live on the ground. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's definitely interesting. Um, but I also kind really of wonder, like, what is this going to do to supply chains and uh, probably just make that worse, which in turn probably makes right. inflation work worse. So, well, I mean, you know, we just, we just kind of, high, we've been <clears> dealing <throat> with high gas prices for a long time. Oh, now. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know how this, yeah. does this further, I mean, I, I don't know how much of the oil that we import comes from Russia's, you know, stock. Yeah. Versus I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think we import much at all from them. I could be wrong on that, but I know, you know, Europe does and Mm -hmm. Russia is a large exporter of natural gas. And so, you know, just like you said, I mean, that contributes to rising energy costs, which, Mm-hmm. probably factor to some degree into overall inflation because that underpins production of cars, production of mm-hmm. steel. And so it, yeah. it just kind of feels like just another domino kind of falling. And um, I wonder and kind if this of, is going to push I mean, people to further, I mean, with the supply chain, we're seeing it already, but I wonder if this will further push people to kind of vertically integrate all their stuff. So yeah, yeah, you, you know, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see from the energy picture, you know, what path you know, Europe takes after this. I think I, I mean, I hope that they realize that that's maybe not a great partner to depend on your energy. Right. I saw, you know, Germany was talking about maybe building a couple of more uh, 
you know, liquid natural gas processing facilities so that they could import more energy abroad. But yeah. it also it does kind of, you know, you can kind of see two ends of the stick here. On one hand, there is, you know, the U.S. and we have, you know, fairly copious energy supplies mm-hmm. with oil and natural gas. And so on one hand, you could say, like, maybe we should be engaged, you know, in, in producing more of that mm-hmm. as we and other countries make this transition away from maybe at least like as heavy dependent on fossil fuels mm-hmm. as as we do because a, a country like Russia a lot of their you know, revenue seems to come from petroleum products and so as those right. products go down i don't think they have a lot of you know impressive industries to no. supplant that and maybe by you know reducing that that just lessens the funds for these kind of misadventures well that's been true i mean that's been true for you know decades and decades i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of terrible regimes that have gotten to prosper because they had oil i mean you go back to libya and Muammar Gaddafi. um yeah you know a lot of this i mean we're we're buddy buddy with with saudi arabia which you know has yeah, produce, not always you know, an impressive human rights record. Not a sure. great human rights record. You know, um, not necessarily petroleum related, but you know, we're we're buddies with, mm-hmm. you know, well for a long time we were buddies with China because we could get cheap labor and cheap products mm-hmm. from them. Cheap goods. So yeah. I mean, we 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 excuse a lot in the name of Business. cheap, cheap and cheap and plentiful oil. <laughs> I think that, uh, and that seems to be coming to an end and. You know, on one side, I'm not really sure where this, because it's kind of we're early in this, not really sure where it's going to go. But, you know, there does seem to be also an argument for, you know, with EVs, it gives you a little bit more control in terms of, you know, energy production, maybe internally in your country, Mm -hmm. Um, less dependence on maybe certain commodities like uh, France was talking about building a number of new nuclear reactors to kind of create like oh, yeah, a, I saw that. you know like a baseline energy um, mm-hmm. instead of using natural gas so that is oh, they... then less of a market for you know Russia and just general petroleum based countries to sell to so yeah, yeah. And, and how is that disruptive you know as if we really do transition significantly to EVs which probably you know just looking at the technology right now it's not super far off from like the range that i would get in my truck um it's obviously more but it's not super far off and we're really in the early stages of this whereas like with the internal combustion engine we've been toiling away at that for like a century so mm-hmm. my my gut is that that will eventually supplant it um and yeah. it'll be interesting to see what type of repercussions that has you know, geopolitically yeah, no, I I think you're right. It's going to I hadn't definitely really thought start. about that till this. Yeah, I mean, it's those those countries that are one trick ponies in terms of their economy. Um, yeah, could get a little, you know, I, you know get a, a little tight example, in the future. <laughs> well, uh, so a good example of that actually is um, we've talked about before the Brunei. So mm. Brunei back in the '80s, they 
uh, when they gained independence from, I think it was Great Britain, they, they're they this tiny country, right? But they have okay. enormous oil reserves. And so basically overnight, the the when the country was handed over to the, the royal family in Brunei, they became, you know, multi, multi, multi-billionaires. Yeah, sure, the de, vac- de facto owners of this petroleum right. wealth. Right, exactly. And, but their entire... The, the vast majority of their economy depended on the state-run oil company. And when oil prices took a hit in, I think it was in the 90s, a lot of the that house of cards came tumbling down and there was a huge political upheaval within the royal family. That's, you know, kind of too long a story to get into, but that was a good example yeah, where kind of a that was a country that this. they never diversified their economy. They never tried to get into tourism or anything like that. And so, you know, when the bottom fell out of the one thing that they had to sell, that thing, you know, you had huge amount of turmoil in the country. Yeah. And I think that's well, what can happen with someone like Russia if they're not diversifying their economy. Yeah, you know, and I mean, one thing to think about, and this is just a thought that's gone through my mind, and obviously I'm not completely insulated from this, but I do remember... Oh, what was it? It must have been last year with that uh, colonial pipeline that got hacked with the malware Mm -hmm. or something. And everybody Mm -hmm. went into panic purchasing down there. And I was like, in my mind, I did think to myself, like, you know, it's kind of nice having at least one EV Mm -hmm. um, so that when something like that happens, I'm not super panicked about it. And also Mm -hmm. when I I mean, I do fill up my truck and so I do recognize the pain at the gas pump but yeah um you know my electrical price has not changed and i think it tends to only change like at most once a year Mm -hmm. and up in the midwest here electricity is pretty cheap now some people are going to make the argument well you know you're filling your your electrons are powered by a coal plant and that is probably to some extent true up here we do have coal and natural gas but you know, when you look at the overall production of pollutants, subtracting out the small internal combustions relative to these, you know, big turbines, mm-hmm. it, it does end up improving, you know, air quality. And uh, if you do operate that EV for presumably, ideally, a long time, because it's just got less, you know, engine wear, you can recoup that um, CO2 investment. It does take longer than an ICE car. I won't argue that. But right. um, it's it's a lot cheaper to operate, frankly. I mean, we've gone over the numbers before. It can be pretty impressive, depending on what your elect- electricity costs are. Mm-hmm. But it is something I notice. Like, you know, our EV costs, because we get an overnight discount for charging our... I mean, they for both of those cars, it's like less than 100 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And I go fill up the truck you know, and I don't even drive that all the time. And so I still fill that up maybe once every two weeks. And it's like over 50 bucks to yeah. fill that thing up. And that's a small truck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how are yeah. you other people affording that? That's like another car payment for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what always makes me laugh when I see these like lifted, you know, mud tired Ford F-250s running around. It's like, dude, I, you, you've got to be paying like 70, 80 bucks every like four or five days you know <laughs> to move that thing through the yeah. air <laughs> yeah just to get it going um 
Which yeah. nicely transitions us into our, our next topic. Yeah, actually. we apologize for talking about so much politics on that yeah. one. And, uh, but it is... Uh, it is uh, it's really know, interesting. I mean, there's... It's... it's it I has repercussions. For, well, for know. a lot of us, you know, cars and, you know, F1, things like that are kind of a uh, an escape from yeah you know, everyday stuff 100%. like that. But sometimes, unfortunately, the circles in the Venn diagram overlap a little yeah. bit. Well, well said. Well said. Uh, but so this week, uh, Ford officially announced that the um, the Ford Ranger yep. is going to get Raptorified, <laughs> much <laughs> much like their F one fifty, and then the the coming the Bronco uh, is also going to be getting a Raptor and version. Raptorified. <laughs> yeah. The so it's um, going to have a, a twin turbo three liter V six engine that makes three hundred ninety two horsepower and four hundred thirty pound feet of torque. Interestingly enough, the, the Europeans get screwed. So in European markets, because of fuel economy standards, it, yeah. it's only going to make two hundred eighty four horsepower. <laughs> so Interesting. I feel like, like that's probably like 100. what my Ranger has. Um, I would guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, this article says the current Ranger makes. 270 horsepower. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, getting yeah. the Raptor and it only makes 14 more horsepower. Like, what a, a lot what more a, money. More deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, you know, in typical Ranger fashion, it's, it's not just the horsepower bump. It's also going to get, um, you know, this significantly upgraded Fox racing suspension. Uh, it's got a, an anti-lag feature that helps with, with throttle response. It's got, I think they're, yeah, 33 inch, um, BF Goodwrench mud tires with uh, beadlock wheels. The beadlock wheels, for now, have only been confirmed for the Australian market, um, mm. but I suspect they'll bring them to the U.S. Because yeah, cool at least maybe as an option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least as an option. Um, and I want to talk oh. about this just because, yeah, yeah. like, I've kind of always secretly liked the F one fifty Raptor. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but that kind of like desert pre-runner Baja truck thing, I think it was kind of rad. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And this is like, this is a, I feel like I could get this, still have that aesthetic, but actually fit in a parking spot. <laughs> That's just it. I mean, I'm sure this thing, I remember reading about the, you know, the new Ranger, the 2023, it was going to be a little bit wider than mine. Mm-hmm. Which is already, I think, about as wide as my Tycon, which is a mm-hmm. feels a like wide a wide car. car. Yeah. Um, you know, I've gotten better at parking it. Um, one of the things that's curious about parking these things that is it feels different. I just I feel like the front wheels are way closer to the front of the vehicle. Mm. So whereas it felt like with a lot of sedans I'm driving, there was maybe more vehicle beyond the wheel yeah it's got and, like a short um, front overhang yeah and which so, makes like, sense really i mean for an pull off-road... in yeah right yeah. exactly that's a good point that is a good point you but wanna, you know you, you can really pull in a lot you can really pull in a lot further sure um, yeah it which makes, is that kind makes sense. Of, but but uh, i've i have been able to get it into ramps um i do a lot of backing in i don't know why that's easier Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's mathematics and physics to it, but it it does make more sense to back these things in yeah. most of the time and then to yeah. <laughs> pull in forward. So yeah. that's what I do now. It's not a manly move. It's not a dick move. It's just <laughs> I want to get the car in and out without crashing into people. <laughs> yeah, right. Ideally. 
Yeah, I think it, I, I don't know, like I've never, my dad has a pickup truck. I've never owned a pickup truck. I have no actual real use for a pickup truck. Like I'm not hauling timber. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's, yeah. I don't really <laughs> have a good reason to want one. Uh, I just think this is, I don't, like I said, we, like we said in the opening, like this might be my Oklahoma showing, but I just think it's kind of cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I honestly, it is really cool. And, you know, if, you know, had this been out when I was looking to get m- my Ranger, I would have mm-hmm. definitely considered it. I mean, I don't need the F-150 size truck for what I do. Although I do own like a Bobcat and have all sorts of crazy equipment. And for stuff, you, you so. have like towing st- requirements. That yeah, like more than most people, I can probably use a truck, but mm-hmm. I still like don't need a monstrosity because I do have to take that to work and park it in ramps. But, you yeah. know, there are Raptors in the ramps where, you know, where I work. So people get them in there, but they're also like the first person first people to arrive because they're limited in the spots they can use. And I don't, I don't have any interest in doing that. So, um, yeah, you want to get, you want to get to work at like six in the morning so you can get, yeah, just park my Raptor. Yeah. Um, but the thing that might dissuade me a couple of things, this thing's going to be expensive. Um, and I suppose if I got in one and then I got back out and got into my current Ranger, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's, Worth for the extra $35,000 or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to cost. But also with the way these supply chains are, I frankly am just fatigued with, you know, buying cars in this market, uh, you know, mm-hmm. getting dicked around with, you know, markups and stuff. Yeah. You know, just BS like, oh, yeah, no, we've got an allocation. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's this month. We definitely have the allocation this month. Um they're going to release them next Thursday. It'll definitely be next Thursday. Or, yeah. yeah, you know, we'll put you on a list. You're you're like three on the list, and then five years ago, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like three on the list. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be a real pain in the ass to get this. Uh, obviously, you know, Ford's tried to do some disciplining with its dealership, so they're not afraid to charge, you know, over market. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to take the a lot of fun out of it for many people. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the question. So like they have not announced the price yet, but the top of the line Ranger Larry, yeah, we had, which is yeah, the top right on now that, right? is currently yeah. around 40 grand. So it's going to yeah. be more than that. And some people it's are saying mid forties. Some people are saying low fifties. So yeah, yeah now it you're kind of depends on the base equipment. I mean, obviously they right. they add quite a bit to these things in terms of the you know engine performance, the suspension. Mm-hmm. So so now you're paying yeah. probably you know if, I would if, I if would guess Ranger's thirty. Yeah, so you're you're after options, you're nearly doubling yeah, options. Are, and I guarantee that's you, with the ADM, you will double the price. And that's <laughs> just yeah. These are going to so, go for. If they're if they're selling regular Broncos for twenty over or ten over or whatever, like imagine yeah. what a Bronco Raptor or a Ranger Raptor is going to go for. It's it's going to be, you know, it's yeah. Gonna be but you know that being said, there were like we've kind of talked about the size of the trucks and just automotive, you know, vehicles in general have grown in size. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see quite a, quite a bit more of these on the roads just because people are like well now that i've always wanted an f-150 raptor but that's just too much you know seventy yeah. some thousand dollars so right 
you know, now that I look at all the performance specs and what I actually use it for, this is like an a good F-150 option. XLT nicely optioned or an Lariat or something mm-hmm. price-wise. And so like, screw it. I'll just get the Ranger Raptor and kind of have the best of both worlds. So, yeah, I, I think we will. I think these will sell. I think these will sell really well. I think there's a little bit of a renaissance happening right now with small trucks. There's the Ranger, obviously, the Ford Maverick, which is even smaller. The yeah, Honda, that's a good point. Or the, the Hyundai Santa, Santa Cruz, I think it's called, mm-hmm. uh, which is similarly sized as the, the Ridgeline for the for, for Honda. Honda. Yeah, Toyota's so I think, got the whatever the Tacoma. Chevy's yeah. got the Colorado. I mean, yeah, you mm-hmm. name it. I mean, they're all. And I, I'm I honest think- to God, it's it is probably because the full size trucks have gotten so damn big. So yeah, that people like myself, honestly, if I could have bought a Maverick and mm-hmm. um, work, you know, that could have worked for towing for yeah. me. But um, you know, pulling the Bobcat, I just well, need more capacity than that well, can offer. But well, it's um, it actually dovetails with our conversation from last week about our cars getting safer because the. Um, I saw uh, it was an interesting Twitter thread by an automotive journalist this past week, and it, he was at some auto show, and he base he was like six two or six three, and he took pictures of himself standing in front of the new Silverado, the new F one fifty, the new oh yeah, um, maybe you're saying Toyota, I saw uh, uh, what's the Toyota full size truck, Tundra, um, Tundra, yeah, and. Yeah, you know he's six two six three, so he's he's like in the he's top five percent ish of human beings in terms of height, and the grill of the trucks came up to his shoulder. So yeah. anyone that's in that's of normal like average height, if they get hit by one of those things, it's one if if it's if done. the person's <laughs> if the person's close enough to them, they won't even see them above the hood of the car. It's true. And, <laughs> I didn't and even know two, someone was down there. <laughs> and and two, the the way the styling is, there's there's no you're not going up and over the hood or any you're literally just yeah. getting pancaked against the front of the truck. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so one, while yeah. it, these trucks may be safer for the occupants of the car, they're much more dangerous for pedestrians. Yeah, for pedestrians, yeah. Uh and, and, and so the reality is that's where you see a lot of these trucks is yeah, in the city, in the city center, right. as you're, um, you know, we're putting in more, you know, bike lanes and mm-hmm. pedestrian walks and stuff. It's yeah, yeah, it's no. not a great combination. <laughs> no, it's it it isn't, and and so I think there is certainly a place for these smaller trucks that are still fully capable of hauling what you need to haul, towing what you need to tow, um, and I think that's why it's it's kind of a cool option to me is like here's a truck that's four-wheel drive i could use in the winter um Mm -hmm. you know it has utility but it's not this i can actually fit it in my garage (laughs) yeah exactly i know without adding on to the garage (laughs) yeah without like raising the roof by like two or three feet um so anyways just it's a fun i'm glad that ford is is doing it i think it'll be it's a it's certainly a fun option it's something that you know, there is part of me that's like that. That'd be kind of cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So a little bit of little bit of fun this week. Otherwise, it was kind of a slow news week. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. At least in the automotive world, as we said, but uh, uh, definitely some 
interesting things to talk about. Probably next week, I'm sure we'll have some follow-up on that Haas story and see how things evolve. Yeah, it's um, shaking out. Yeah, but until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Blofeld Podcast. Um, and you know, if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about or any topics you'd you'd want to hear about, uh, let us know. We'd love to to chat about it. And until then, we'll see you next week.